Welcome to Dave Talk Some More, a podcast at the intersection of humor and... No. Hey, I'm your host, Dave, and together we'll explore a riveting world of mundane topics with unparalleled indifference. So get ready for a riveting journey through... No, I mean, whatever. This is Dave Talks Some More. Okay, far out. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us uh, again on uh, Sunday afternoon. And uh, when I say joining us, uh, I'm more mean joining me than anybody else because uh, my uh, regular uh, foil and co-host is off for the week uh, doing things that I don't approve of. I'm not exactly sure what they are, but uh, if it's what they think they are, I'm judging him harshly. And uh, on, and I'll just go ahead and give a preview for next week's show is all going to be about uh, abusing his uh, recreational choices. Uh, and that, that, that's going to be a very long show, uh, giving him hell for where I, where I think he is and what I think he's doing. But I'm going to give him a chance to defend himself, so I won't start in on it right now. That will be a long show. This is probably going to be a short show because if you've, uh, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that uh, I have tried twice to uh, do the show flying solo. Both of them uh, absolute disasters. One of them hit the side of the mountain, and uh, I still have scar tissue from that. Uh, so, and, and it's weird that I say that I'm expecting this to be a short show because anybody who's listening to this can see precisely to the second, how long the show actually goes. So I'm not telling you anything about how long the show goes. That's i uh, I'm, I'm literally the only person, uh, who will ever have anything to do with it that does not know what the length of the show, uh, will be. That's boring, so let me move on to something else. Um, and, and the reason that I'm that I'm decided, well, I need to go ahead and give it a shot other than just kind of grow the podcasting muscle and uh, just try to jump out there and do something that uh, feels a little uncomfortable is we already missed uh, last week's show, which that one really wasn't my fault. My wife and I have been bouncing back and forth uh, the same cold, the same virus, or, or whatever it is. And uh, this time last week, this is what it sounded like uh, if I tried to do a podcast. That's as much volume I could put out. I mean, I've heard of people who have had laryngitis before. I didn't really think that it was a real thing. I just thought it was like a made-up deal where you, where you cannot produce sound with your vocal cords. I had a cold that was so bad that uh, I literally could not produce any sound with my vocal cords. But uh, yeah, I, I was actually going to go forward with the show <laughs> even though I couldn't talk and make any sounds because, you know, again, I figured the, uh, the uh, co-host here, whatever he is, uh, could come and, and carry a little bit of weight for me, but he bailed. And uh, we also, oh, for the first time, we were going to have an honest-to-God guest. This is truth. Um, somebody, and, and somebody who was so in, interested in the show that, uh, like, the day before, he's like, what's the show about? Have you listened to it? No. 
And I was like, well, thanks for the enthusiasm. That's a, that's a tremendous upvote. So, you know, really judging anybody who comes on the show. So if you get invited to be a guest uh, sometime in the future, uh, get ready to be uh, judged very hard. But it was, it was going to be, um, for me, was going to be one of the more interesting shows that we would do because I've tried to, to be a non-topical deal. Like, I don't want to talk about sports. I don't want to talk about religion. I really don't want to talk about uh, politics. Um, and good luck talking to people about, you know, art and stuff. But this, this was going to be a break from that, and we were going to talk uh, law. It's going to be three lawyers sitting in a room talking law. And I, and I actually had some ideas about how to make it appeal to uh, people who really don't have much familiarity with the law or even any interest in it. Um, I do it full-time you know, for my work, and I find it endlessly um, interesting. Uh, but I know that most of the time when I hear people talking about the law even though i even though i have an interest in it it is still tedious to listen to them talk because most people present it in such a way that that it's really tiresome uh which you know right raises a a similar subject i, I ought not be talking about shows that never happened because i've done really do a whole lot other than to tell you it really would have been good uh but now it will never be um but it, it raises the similar topic of the podcast that uh, I've thought. I, I have all these thoughts about what would make something interesting because, um, you know, as Sunday gets closer, I start thinking a little harder and harder about what is it that can be talked about that would be interesting. And I know that in the past I've talked about uh, history and uh, my interest in it. And I know most people don't really have have that but you know it's kind of like talking about the law I'm interested in that and I think that uh, that this would have been an interesting show I very often thought that talking about history would be interesting it's it's as much of a hobby as anything uh, uh, reading about it and you will meet people uh, when the subject of history comes up or you know I'm reading a book about I mean, not actually, but, you know, if I were reading a book about the Civil War or, you know, about uh, Renaissance France or, or, or uh, the Roman Empire or whatever it would be, to me it's incredibly interesting. To other people it is stultifying and boring. And I suspect that it's because nobody listened to my history podcast that needs to be put into production because if it were put into production, I think I could make it interesting to everybody and here's here's the big idea behind that um you know all all that history is is stories that that is literally all it is what you're living in right now you know whatever date today is this is history and you you are having your history and your history is stories and right now to you it just seems you know whatever's going in on in your life probably feels mundane and day-to-day -day and banal and and not terribly interesting but you add it all up and there's some story to be told and, and when you're around other people what do you do but talk about the the interesting highlights of the things that happened to you and the interesting 
people around you who in, in history class, you know, might be characters or historical figures, but in, in your life, it's just your crazy cousin or your stupid neighbor or, or whatever it is. And, you know, magnify all those stories in a, on a local level or a national level. And you've got a whole lot of stories together and all that history is, is taking the most interesting stories of banal day-to-day things that happen, you know, who, who was the most interesting character? What was the coolest thing somebody did? You know, somebody marched from Greece to India, uh, at the head of an army, uh, when there were no maps, um, that's, that's a pretty cool story as to, you know, who it was and how he did it. And, you know, what were the adventures that they had along the way? I mean, that's what fiction is, uh, is nothing but cool characters and interesting plots and, and double plots and, and backtracks and, and, uh, character development. Well, that, that, that's all that history is. And, uh, and so I don't think of it in terms of dates and, uh, and places, but uh, very interesting people doing really cool things. Um, and, and what makes it fun uh, is when you get a, a small period of time and everybody already knows each other. That's for people who are into things like uh, uh, Civil War or uh, our local history. You know, what makes it interesting is you talk about people who already knew each other, who had known each other for decades, and then all of a sudden they're thrown into a new situation. And how did they react and what did they do? And most of the events took place over a very small area. And so the, the, the hills and valleys, uh, those become characters as well. And I just think that uh, it would be inter- interesting to present – not history. I, I've never have a history podcast, but just a uh, a story. And you know, you don't need to know that it was Alexander the Great that went from Greece to India. It's just let me tell you the story about a guy, and and let me tell you what happened. Um, and I'm I'm seriously considering that uh, you know maybe when I have a uh, an off day like this, when uh, I don't have the regular cast together, that maybe it's just hey, let me. Let me pull up a microphone and do like I did on the Thanksgiving uh, episode that we had a few months ago, and I'll tell you one story. And uh, that one took what, about thirty-five minutes. It was a long. It was a. It was a long story. I don't know if it was any good or not, but it was a story, um, and it took up an episode. So you know, that has value all by itself. Um, you know, but anyway, I'm, I'm thinking that that's what I'm going to do. So, you know, as ever, I always start off the show by kind of talking about the show. Um, so, um, but anyway, yeah, I was, you know, I was out with a cold, uh, but I, I was going to watch uh, a couple of other people just talk and I might be able to make enough sound to, to throw some topics out there and, you know, we just uh, see where it goes. Because even though I had this cold and even though I was heavily medicated, when I went to the doctor, they did this thing that um, um, my body, it, it turns out that uh, I am the worst meth head ever. Like I, I, I do not qualify for meth because, and, and I found this out when I had COVID uh, and at the end of 2020, I had COVID to the point, um, like COVID came out like was it February or March of 2020, I think. Yeah. Um, and in, uh, uh, 
really the like a week before Christmas, uh, I caught a I caught a brutal case of COVID, and I'd had all the vac vaccines and the and the whole bit, but I got it anyway, and um, I I caught it to such an extent where uh, when my wife was driving me to uh, to St. Dominic's, I literally thought I I am going there to die, and if I if you've ever had if you've never had the feeling that you were like for real, like I'm really going to die. And I, and it's a, you know, how long is it to however long it is to drive to St. Dominic's? Um, you know, I was literally thinking this is what it's like to die. I've probably got uh, a couple of days and then I'm going to be dead. I mean, I was, you know, because a lot of people were dropping dead and, you know, there are a lot of horror stories coming out about if you go to the hospital, that's the worst place to go. Cause you know, they just, you know, you, you, you only come out feet first and if if you've never had that experience, let me tell you what it's like. Um, it's 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 nothing. It's like um, there, there, it's not cinematic. There's no great emotional uh, uh, crest. There's there's no you know swell of orchestral music as as you die. It's just you know think about what you did this morning. You got up. Uh, you know, you went to the kitchen, you made a cup of coffee, um, you sat down, you looked out the window, uh, you died, um, you know, you got up and got something to eat and, you know, it's just, it's just another thing that you do. And I, I was very much struck by the idea that, you know, here I am, I'm going to die and, you know, okay, well, it's just, just another thing. But uh, as luck would have it, uh, I apparently did not die or else I'm an extremely solid ghost one way or the other. Uh, but they, they gave me the miracle drug called steroids. And it turns out that the way that my body metabolizes uh, steroids is it's basically like meth for me. Like if you've ever seen, and I'm getting a look from somebody is like, oh yeah, really? Tell me all about it. Tell me all about that. Um, you know, if, if, if you've ever looked at a bird on a branch and you see them just jerking around, like their heads looking one way, and then in an instant, their heads looking completely the other way and their, their feet are, are hopping around and all of their movements are incredibly lightning quick. Um, you know, and a, a, a bird is a good case study for what it felt like for me to be on steroids, AKA meth, because a bird would just bounce and hop around and jerk and move in the most amazingly lightning quick, unpredictable ways. And that's the way that I was. And I'm a big person and I'm particularly uh, quick or coordinated or athletic. And I was hopping and jumping and popping around like, uh, like I would imagine it's like, um, to be using other substances, couldn't sit down, couldn't definitely couldn't sleep. Um, amazingly productive at housework, like <laughs> like I was just any, any possible thing that I could think of to do to to burn up some energy. That's what I was doing, and I tell you that whole story. Well, to the point that the day after I got out of the hospital, at, at what I took to be a near death experience. Uh, I was driving down to Laurel, Mississippi, to go uh, to go file a, a, a two-page motion with the court because I mean, why wouldn't I? 
uh, you know, I was just, I was out of my mind. I was, I was so uh, hopped up on uh, perfectly legal prescription medicine. So uh, I, I say all that to say that uh, they gave me another dose, and I, I did not make the connection this time around. Tells you what an idiot I am that uh, they had again given me steroids. So by the middle of last week, I had taken God knows how many uh, of these pills, and it turns out it takes about four days for it to completely metabolize from my system. So and now I've I'm pretty much on a crash. So uh, you know. I'm the worst alcoholic in the world because I, I, I'm not against drinking and, and sometimes I do drink, but I just, I, I can't stand the way that it makes me feel. And now it turns out I'm the worst, uh, meth head in the world because I cannot, I literally cannot stand the way that it makes me feel. And the idea that there are people who break into houses so that they can get the money so that they can get one of these pills, I almost want to say here, you, you Maybe I shouldn't say, you know, here, you, you can have mine, but really you can have mine. I, I, um, I've got a whole bottle full of them and, uh, you know, if we get short of cash, maybe, uh, maybe we'll have that. Um, not that I just admitted to a felony in, in a podcast, uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, these are the kind of things that I say when, uh, my, my personal, uh, Ed McMahon is gone and, uh, I'm recovering from laryngitis. So I'm, I'm a little bit out of my head, um, the uh let's see i still have not actually gotten to any show content yet I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, that's typical i'm, I'm uh, what about 15 minutes in and uh and i've gone absolutely nowhere so uh you know total loss of uh, focus here um let's see uh big thing that happened this week i actually got a new car so uh, that hey that's right that's right i'm uh i'm uh, I'm low key thrilled about that. Um, and, and there's a, a you cannot, I, I don't know if women are this way, but you cannot talk to a guy and bring up the subject of my first car without this, this is the most guy thing in the world. If you talk about my first car, every guy in the world has got a story about, well, let me tell you about how my first car was a piece of junk. And they remember the year, they remember the model, they remember the color, they remember where it came from, they remember the time that it put them down during the big date. Um, every guy's got the got the same tragic story of, of my first car. So since I do like to tell a story, uh, let, me t- let me tell you what my, my first car uh, story is. And I think I alluded to this so uh, uh, last week when I was talking about all the password problems that I've had. One of the things that they ask you uh, when you have to reset your password is uh, what the make and model of your first uh, car was. So here, if you want to hack uh, all of my accounts, I'll go ahead and give you the answer. My first car. Uh, remember, I was born in 1964. My first car was a 1964 Ford Galaxy. Uh, which if you're old enough to remember the, the, those, that's back when, when cars were cars by God, they were solid steel. Uh, this thing was built like a tank. It weighed as much as a tank. It had treads like a tank. Um, uh, a 1964 Ford galaxy. This is the only car. This is the only vehicle that I've ever had 
that had a Shonuff V8 engine, which, uh, uh, yeah, there's a picture of it. Um, yeah, brings back memories, buddy. Um, it didn't, it did not look that good. And that's, that's part of the, that's actually a good looking car. I wouldn't mind owning that now. Uh, I wasn't so thrilled about owning it then. Um, yeah, a V8 engine basically has the same functional equivalent as a rocket uh, booster does now. Uh, you will see big vehicles now, and all they have is a four-cylinder engine. I've got, and I'll, I, I, I don't want to spoil the story, but but this one ends with me. You know, this this new vehicle that I've got is pretty big, but all it has is a four all quote unquote all it has is a four-cylinder engine. Well, a V8 engine is is uh, like 16 four-cylinder engines. That's not technically accurate, but feels like. Um, I mean, your solid steel vehicle, incredibly heavy weight. But with that rocket booster V8 engine, uh, you punch it and it just jumps off the line. And I know because I drag raced it, drag raced it a little bit. And it was really cool because you know, just this old looking car and you get up against the Camaro, that, that, uh, 1964 Ford galaxy, big, clunky, ugly, it would smoke a Camaro because it had the, the rocket engine. Uh, so anyway, and, and speaking of the rocket engine, it was, it was owned previously, uh, owned by my grandfather. His last name was rocket Lowell rocket, uh, had it. And uh, when, when the time came, he did the right thing, which is uh, he, he gave it or sold it at a very cheap price to my brother. So, uh, and uh, my brother was the second owner of the 64 Ford Galaxy. And uh, just a great, awful story about it. My brother loves cars way, way more than I do. And I like to think that I, that I love cars, but he really loves cars. He's a mechanical engineer, and so he understands them, and he loves fixing them and, and you know, messing around with the engine and doing things that I, I would have no clue how to do and would love to do it because there's, there's nothing more, uh, I think, just more cool than uh, being able to fix up new and old car, and I'd love to know how to do that, but I don't. And, uh, well, but one of the fix-up, one of the two fix-ups that my brother had uh, first one, obviously, was to install a good stereo system because, you know, he was 16 or 17 years old. Uh, and the second thing that, uh, second fix-up, also not mechanical, was he was going to get it painted. And so uh, he he had figured, by the time that he actually took uh, delivery of the cars, so to speak, he had already decided um, – uh, what color is going to be, which is this beautiful midnight blue. So, you know, good luck finding a picture on the internet of a midnight blue 1964 Ford Galaxy. If you do, I'm impressed. You you have better Google skills than, than most. Uh, so, uh, you know, this this was back when for $350, you could take your car to Mako's and get your car painted just any imaginable color. Midnight blue is apparently an imaginable color. And uh, so... You know, he, he, he was not given the money. He, he, he did it the right way. He saved it up from, he had a lawn mowing business and he saved up the money. And, uh, um, you know, as soon as we got it, uh, uh, drove it over to Mako's and got it, um, uh, painted midnight blue and it, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, dark color. Um, 
you know, I, I still admire his ability to pick something out that looked that nice, but he had a downfall. And the downfall, I, I mentioned a uh, Camaro. Um, like when I was growing up in the 70s, there were two cool cars. There was a Corvette, which nobody could afford, and there was a Camaro, which also nobody could afford, but you could, you might be able to afford a broke-down uh, seven-year-old version of a Camaro. For, you'll never afford a Corvette. Uh, but uh, one of our mutual friends had a broke-down Camaro that was the bodywork was more Bondo than it was actual metal. Uh, but it had a bitchin' sound system on it, so when it, when it was rattling around and making all kinds of terrible noises, you couldn't hear because the sound system was so good. And uh, one of the, you know, this guy was a little little older than me for sure, and one of the cool things that he did if you you could go to Kmart for like two dollars, you could get a pinstripe detailing kit, and it was just a little piece. No, it was a a very very long, like yards and yards and yards of very thin white tape. That's all it was. And what you could do was detail your car um, with this white tape. Um, like if you didn't know any better, you'd do something stupid like detailing flames, uh, coming out of the, the back, the rear panel of your car. That there's no way you could do that and it not come off looking lame. But, uh, you know, Mitch, uh, who owned the Camaro, Mitch kind of had, he got it right. And I don't know who helped him out, but, uh, he got his, uh, his detail tape from Kmart and he detailed his Camaro in just such a way that it really looked good. It, it offset against a, a nice gold color. And Mitch had, you know, just a bitchin' uh, old uh, Camaro. It looked good. So, you know, my brother's just gotten this uh, 64 Ford mid, now Midnight Blue uh, back from Mako's. And uh, so he goes... <laughs> He goes to Kmart, and he gets his uh, a very long spool of white detailing paint. And here's what, and and he does basically the same thing that, uh, on the Galaxy that Mitch had done on his Camaro. And uh, but he, but here's here's how you do it. Everywhere where you see a contour, everywhere that uh, um, the metal makes a corner. Which if you look at a car, you'll see a lot of places on your car where there's a contour where the metal is going one way and then it goes another way because it's a turn, it's a bend, it's a contour. Um, that that really is, if you're going to do detail work, that is where you'd put the details on. It just is. That's, that's, that's where it looks right. And so you know, my brother has got the, the detailing tape, and contours are not hard to see or find or feel. And so everywhere that he saw a contour, he's putting the tape down, these long uh, white lines on the doors, on the rear panel, on the front panel, on the hood, on the back, on the trunk. Um, you know, if there's a contour on it, he puts the white tape on it. And it looked pretty good when he, from, from the perspective of somebody putting it on, it looked pretty good. But the problem was, um, after he was done, or when he, when he was getting close to done, uh, now he steps back. He he walks away from the car and he steps back twenty feet, and he realizes, "Holy crap! I've I've really overdone it because the car looks like a sheet of blue graph paper, like blue paper with white cross hatching, 
and it's white tape everywhere. Um, and it, and it just looks like I say, like, like graph paper, it just looks awful. And so no problem that the, the, uh, tape does peel off. It's no big deal. But the problem was he'd forgotten for the Mako, he'd forgotten that, um, what he should have done when he started putting the tape on was wait for the Mako paint to cure. Well, it had, yeah, well, it hadn't cured yet. So when you start taking the paint off, when you start taking the tape off, you're taking the paint off as well. So any way you cut it, you know, you can have a white stripe on every single contour of the car, uh, or you can have the undercut, this raggedy line of the undercolor coming through because you peeled away tape and the, the midnight blue paint. And so, and he, you know, it's not like he had another $350 to go, you know, try, try again. And so he was stuck with it. So, so he's, he is, you know, of course I'm making fun of him because that's, that's what you do when you're the younger brother. And so, you know, he's, he's driving to the high school in his new 64, you know, 64, uh, Ford galaxy with this, it, it's already an ugly car, uh, in by, you know, by the late 1970s, but it, I mean, it is, it is absolutely ghastly and yeah, he can't park the car fast enough and get away from it. Um, the, the only thing that he can do that's cool is pop the hood and make sure everybody understands, but it does have a V8 engine and, and, and that part of it is cool, but nobody is, you know, these are high school kids. Nobody's going to appreciate that. They're just looking at, you know, what is in effect the, the worst paint job in the history of cars. So, you know, I made fun of them tire, <clears throat> tirelessly um, until it was my turn to, to inherit that car. And, uh, and I can tell you my, my experience driving the ugliest car in the world is the looks that you get. And, uh, you know, I'll cap, I'll cap the Ford Galaxy story off a little bit by saying, uh, it happened twice that uh, twice that uh, I asked a girl out at, uh, at, at, uh, at LSU and had them, you know, you go, you know, you know what you do. You, you drive up to the girl's dorm, park the car, you go into the lobby, you pick up the phone, the girl comes down, and she walks out in the parking lot, and she sees you going for this eyesore of a car, and and they and both times I said the same thing. This is a joke, right? This is a practical joke. And and twice I had the girl say, oh, "There's no way that I'm going out in this car. I'm not going to be seen with this thing." So um, it is. It was that uh, that absolutely uh, brutal, ugly. The uh, the car finally uh, met with a, a grisly death uh, because my, uh, my grandfather, you know, after, after no other grandchildren would take the thing, uh, my grandfather took it back and, uh, and used, you know, because it had such a powerful engine, all he had to do was throw a tow hitch on, on modify the bumper and throw a tow hitch hitch on the back of it and could, and could use the car to, uh, tow the boat or tow his, uh, his trailer and boat around, which he did. And, uh, but you know, by the, by the time he took possession of it, you know, I mean, he had grandkids that were in their thirties, so I don't know how old he was, but, uh, I do know that he towed his bass boat to uh, false river, 
uh, in New Orleans, not New Orleans, in, in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, they had those boat launches. And so he was, he was backing up the, the bass boat, the trailer, uh, into, into the boat launch and, uh, got the, got the boat into the water, got the trailer into the water, um, and got the, uh, the galaxy into the water. And about the time that he got the front axle of the galaxy into the water, he realized maybe he needed to stop. Maybe he had the boat pretty well launched by then with the uh, front of the car already in the water. So he got out and kind of had the same experience. My brother walked away, looked tw- and walked away, got about 20 feet away and realized, gosh, I, I just parked my, uh, I just parked my car in false river. So, uh, it was, it was a total loss. He did launch the boat, uh, but he also uh, launched the car with it. And, uh, so that was the end of the, uh, 1964 galaxy. The, the, um, the camper to all of that is, uh, and, and kind of the revenge that my brother got was, um, when we were upperclassmen in college, uh, my father offered to buy each of us a car. And this will tell you somebody who knows cars versus somebody who does not know cars. Uh, the, the car, it was, it, it was within reason, within a certain dollar range. Here's how much of a, you know, you pick the car and this is how much I'm going to give you to spend on it. So that's nice. And so what my brother picked out was a uh, convertible 1967 Wimbledon white Ford Mustang. And you know, because he knows all about cars, it was absolutely cherry. Um, and it was already good when he, when he got it, but you know, it, it was a, uh, soft top convertible. Uh, I don't think they had our top convertibles back then. Um, he re- he replaced that, got rid of all the mildew, uh, cleaned up the body, uh, uh tuned up the engine. And I mean, it, it was, it was an absolute beauty. That that's what somebody who is given that kind of offer, that's what they do. That's the kind of car that they get. Um, because I thought that that Mustang was so cool. Um, I also was, was offered something similar. My father had, um, had a coworker who was about to get a new car and he was trading in his old car and, you know, was made the offer. Would you like to buy it? You know, I'll, I'll give it to you for the same money. I'm going to trade it in for. It was a Mustang two, and a Mustang two compared to a Mustang is like comparing a Pinto to a Porsche. Uh, I mean, a Mustang two is a brutally ugly car, and it was, and that was back in the late seventies when cars were becoming incredibly ugly because the only thing that mattered was making them fuel efficient. And I will say Mustang too is incredibly fuel efficient, um, but it's also basically a Pinto. So, you know, laugh at my brother all I want. He came away with a Cherry uh, 67 Mustang. It's an absolute show car. It's won trophies. He's taking it to car shows and it's shown enough won trophies. It's gorgeous. And uh, God, I, you know, my, the Mustang too, um, such an ugly car, such a broke down piece of, of uh, junk that uh, I'll never forget, we took out an ad in the uh, Morning Advocate, you know, back when you would sell cars by classified ads. And we had a guy uh, come to do a test drive of the car. And he got in the car and, and he drove, he got three houses away and the car broke down on him. <laughs> 
I, that that's where I, that's one of the one of the many places in my life where I learned just supreme embarrassment as the guy brings the keys back to us and, and just gives me and my father a look like, you know, what kind of criminals are you? Um, so, you know, that that was my bad luck with Mustangs, but I rebounded uh, really well. Um, and I discovered the joys of um, a pickup trucks, b manual transmission. And uh, let me fast forward to say I will not have a car that doesn't have a manual transmission um, if, if for no other reason than it's the best anti-theft device in the world. Good luck carjacking a car uh, if you don't know how to run a manual transmission. But I've had uh, a couple of pickup trucks and never would have gotten away from a pickup truck except uh, it turns out now you can't get a pickup truck without paying uh, Mercedes-Benz prices, and I'm not sure that I understand why that is, uh, that a pickup truck should be what it is, but for a long time I had I had pickups. Um, I, the other thing that I'll say about uh, my brother's Mustang is it really got me hooked on the idea of convertibles uh, because I have a very vivid memory of uh, he and I driving to uh, PCB, just the two of us, uh, when we were in college. And uh, going down, uh, is it Highway 90? On the, on, yeah, 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 the coastal uh, Highway 90 uh, with the top down, just cruising, um, not trying to get anywhere at any particular time, and uh, just cruising Highway 90. And, um, you know, and the sea breeze and the smell and just feeling like you're the coolest thing in the world because you're in, you're in the right car for it. And it really sold me so that uh, uh, very recently when I had a chance to uh, to get a new car, that's what sold me on getting my my uh, very sad little uh, convertible. I say sad. I, I got made fun of a lot in this uh, little convertible Miata that I had. I fit in this car like a bowling ball fits in a teacup. And uh, getting in and out of it, I kind of had to learn like, a, like there was a whole yoga um, – sequence of getting in and out of this car because I'm you know six two um and this car is made for people who are not any taller than five ten and get getting in and out of it was a thing but I just loved it because you know all you have to do is mash a button and you know the hard top comes down all just keep the button pushed in hard top comes out and you're in a convertible and that whole thing from 30 or 40 I guess 30 years earlier of you know being able to cruise around with the top down, uh, I just absolutely love it, um, and so I, I really want to have a uh, stick shift in any car that I have, and I really want to have a um, uh, something that you can take the top off. Well, so anyway, I, I've taken so much grief about that little Miata, and my wife won't drive around in it. Where uh, you know. Finally, I, I kind of get talked into or shamed into it. It's time to drive an adult car or, or something that, that a manly man would drive. And so, you know, I, I will now drum roll, please. The, the car that I got was, yeah, the, yeah the, the, the car that I got was a Ford Bronco. And that, that's, a, that's a manly car. Yeah, that, that, it, it looks good. But, you know, the problem was um, – there's like seven different builds of Broncos, seven different uh, platforms. Uh, and so you have to be really specific about which one you want because the, the, um, 
the amenities, not just the amenities, but the size of it and, and what it comes with are totally different. You know, there's some of them you can only get this kind of paint. There's another one you can only get these kind of seats if you get this particular build. And so I got, um, there's like seven different builds, and I got like the number two. Like number seven is the one that cost you 80000 bucks, And I got the number two. And we go to the, the dealership like in August or September. And, of course, they have several of the numbers. So I don't remember what, what the name of the build is called, but, you know, number seven, um, you know, 70 or 80,000 bucks. It's got everything on. It's got the giant pipes on the side and the sound system and the whole bit. And it's like, uh, it's like if Arnold Schwarzenegger de- designed a school bus, um, does, you know, and, and that got married to a Hummer and those vehicles had a baby. That, that's what this thing was. Those they have, plenty of those on the lot. Uh, but, you know, a little number two build that I wanted, uh, those they have absolutely zero on the lot. And they said, well, we're going to have to build those. We're going to have to build it for you. And, you know, I thought it was custom because I was getting a manual transmission. They said, no, it doesn't matter. That We have none of these. There are none to sell. There's none on the lot. You know, I said, well, what if I went to a dealership? Uh, be our guest, but nobody is going to have this. So I you know, mess around on the internet. Sure enough, nobody within driving distance uh, has got this. And this is where my my thing about the news really came and bit me because I have to backtrack a little bit and say uh, I stopped. Compl- I completely stopped following the news uh, well over a year ago. I'm not sure exactly how long it's been. Um, but I got so, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, frustrated or annoyed or tired of, of every, everything that I read was designed to make me mad because those doggone fill in the blank, you know, can you believe what they're doing now? Can you believe what they're trying to get away with now? And I get so frustrated and, and for no purpose. It, it, it did absolutely no good. To follow the news, and it's weird because ever ever since I stopped, and I mean I run away from the news when when it comes on, I cover my ears, I change the station, I change the conversation, whatever I can. I really, truly don't want to know what what's going on. And people people will say, "Did you hear about what happened with China? Or did you hear about what happened with Russia?" Now, oh, that's right, you don't follow the news. Well, la da 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 da. I don't, don't want to know. Don't tell me. Oh, yeah, but you need to know. Why do I need to know? There's nothing that I can do about it. I can't change it. Well, you need to know. Well, you don't need to know, and, you, and you're better off not knowing because there's no, you know, work on yourself, work on your life, not not on what's going on in some place that, that you can't affect, except, for, except if you want to get a car because for reasons that I have absolutely no knowledge of, um, the, the idea that somebody in, in Michigan can build a car on, on the assembly lines, which I assume are still there, and the, and the auto workers, I assume, are still all there. Uh, forget about it. <coughs> Excuse me. They um, I ordered this thing in late August or early September, and it's, it's basic. I mean, they didn't have to, you know, import, you know, uh, diamonds or gold or anything to build this car. It's, it's a basic vehicle. And uh, they said it's going to be uh, the holidays before this thing's going to be delivered, which I couldn't believe it. But, okay, apparently there's something going on in the news uh, 
and everybody except for me knows knows why it would be that it takes three months for them to build a car. But anyway, the holidays got here. Uh, no car. And in January, um, I got a, I got this bizarre email from Ford that said, we're in the process of getting the thing scheduled to be built. Not that it has been scheduled to be built, but we are in the process of getting the thing on the schedule to be built. And so anyway, to make a long story short, uh, picked it up last week. And the, the difference between driving a car that weighs as much as an empty beer can, and I basically feel like I'm driving a U-Haul truck now, um, it, it's a completely different experience. So that's, that's the update on the, uh, uh, the, the big thing that's, that's going on in my life is uh, I'm now driving the equivalent of a uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger U-Haul truck. Um, but good luck stealing it if you don't know how to drive a, a stick. Uh, the only other thing that's going on, I said this is going to be short. I'm definitely not going to go an hour. Um, the only other thing that I will say is uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so that's probably another reason to cut things short. Um, I think it's really interesting the way that the uh, NFL hatched this plot that um, you know that they would make some uh, random artist really, really famous by whoever wins the Super Bowl gets to take it. Have you seen this girl, this blonde girl that who apparently whoever wins the Super Bowl gets custody of this blonde girl? And can I think Kansas City won last last year, and so they have custody of her. Like they they can't stop showing her during the game, and so whoever wins the Super Bowl gets custody of her. And so she might be living in San Francisco next year, which probably that's what she wants. Um, or, you know, she'll have to go back and live in Kansas City. But, you know, I think it's really cool that the way that they, they took somebody nobody's ever heard of. And now apparently she's, like, really famous in her own right. And Taylor she – Yeah, yeah, Taylor <laughs> Swift. Um, you know, now she's got concerts of her own and people buy tickets of her own. You know, so I, I think they should – I think all the sports should do that is just pick up some random, um, uh, you know, certainly, yeah, certainly. Well, I don't know if she's got talent or not. I mean, she's attractive and attractive makes up for a lot, Um, you know, and just, you know, like that, you know, the baseball girl, you know, and they, and they just show her at all the games and then she had, and then that team gets custody of her until, until the next world series. I, I think that would be great. So uh, she seems very excited about it. So probably it's like she's she's living in Kansas City. That's basically like living in jail, which is probably why she's touring so that she can get out of Kansas City. That, that's that's the theory that I have. You don't follow the news. Uh, this is what I've pieced together so far. It's it's it it meets all the known facts. So I think it's it's a workable theory. So all right, I promise. I I. Uh, uh, said that it would be a short show. That's that's about all that I've got. Uh, I promise it will be much longer because it's going to be abusive next week. Um, uh, but we did get in. My voice held out. I'm happy about that. And I appreciate y'all tuning in, and uh, I think we'll uh, uh, cut it here. Thanks again, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.